Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me. I hope I have been the catalyst to help you change whatever it is or whatever skills you need to develop and to help you grow. Um, today's show we will be discussing improving communication skills. This is probably one of my most favorite topics. And the tool that we're going to discuss today is called DISC. I promise I'll describe each of those letters with my guests today. Um, the, when we can identify our DISC style or behavioral style of communicating, and we understand how we communicate and we can examine how we need to modify our style. It allows us to communicate much more effectively both in our personal as well as professional life. Um, the foundation of personal and professional success really lies in understanding yourself, understanding others, and realizing the impact of personal behavior, um, of your personal behavior on others. Uh, my guest today is Michael Ferraro. He is the president and CEO of Training Solutions, Inc., and he is my expert, my go-to guy uh, when we talk about the topic of DISC. Michael founded Training Solutions in 1995, and currently he has over 32 years of business management and HR training experience. Michael offers a variety of skills and expertise to his clients. He has facilitated many people's skills training programs throughout the country, for a wide variety of clients, for large corporations, to small mid-sized companies, to nonprofits, and to universities as well. Many of his sessions focus on behaviors, attitudes, customer service, sales, leadership, management development, and team building. That's a lot. Michael has earned the DISC certification given by Inkscape Publishing. That's the publisher of DISC. And Michael is a highly respected speaker and advisor on the Workforce Investment Act and related publicly funded workshop, um, I'm sorry, workforce funding program. He served on former Virginia Governor Warner State Workforce Council and also sat, sat in on its uh, executive committee. He has spoken at numerous workforce events, national, local conferences, and provides consulting services to organizations, organizations looking to access public work, workforce training dollars that are available. He currently serves as an advisor to the American Society of Training and Development. Some of you might know it as ASTD on public policy and issues. Now, before I introduce my, you can see by those credentials, my, my guest Michael is awesome. Uh, before I introduce him, I just want to give a quick uh, foundational little piece of history about what is this DISC that we're going to talk about. Um, DISC is basically a four-quadrant behavioral model based on the work of this dude named William Moulton Marston. He had a PhD um, in the early, he was born in 1893, died in 1947. But in the early 1900s, what he did is he kind of looked at humans in their regular environment of, you know, living, and he discovered that we all basically perform within four distinct categories or behavioral styles, and depending on our, our temperament, et cetera. And he labeled them as D in the disc is for dominance, drive, and direct. I is for the influencer. S is for steadiness and stability, and C is for compliant, conscientious, and cautious. And now, it's funny because when I facilitate this training and I, we give you an assessment to take, and, and Michael will fill you in more on that, uh, when people take it, they say, oh, if I take it at home, it'll come out one way, and at work, another way. That's false. Um, it's not a test. There's no right or wrong answers. If you answer the assessment honestly, it really determines what your DISC style or it's an actual combination of styles that you kind of perform from or that you behave from. You can tell a child, um, very young, young years, one, two, year, two years old of age, and we can actually discern what their DISC style is. And we'll, we'll discuss with each of those um, styles, what those attributes stand for. Um, DISC is a system that really helps us see the similarities and, dis and differences among, you know, people that we communicate with. And by looking at our combination or our behavioral preferences, 
Um, usually people fall within two categories, could be more, we'll discuss that in a minute. You really are able to better understand yourself and your relationship with others and truly communicate at a much more and much higher um, effective level. So that's kind of the history on DISC. Now, Michael and I are going to discuss, um, you know, how to use it in, in your world, whether it be corporate or personal, um, again, to help you communicate better. So please help me welcome my awesome friend, Michael Ferraro. Michael, thank you so much for being on. Well, I appreciate the opportunity for you to be on, and, and thank you for inviting me to share this information with your guests. Yeah, it's, it's valuable. I mean, just based on my little intro um, you know, how it, it, you know, this is from the early 1900s, but that it's still prevalent and useful, you know, 100 years later, that's kind of cool to me. Yeah, I think it's very cool. Um, it's, it's, it's solid research. It's been uh, revalidated several times over the last mm -hmm. 30 years or so uh, mm -hmm. to make it more, you know, workplace friendly per se. So they've upgraded some of the language over the years and, um, and they continue to do research on the model. But the basic, basics of the model hasn't really changed that much over the last number of years, which is, which is good to see. Yeah, and, and I hand. think um, more and more corporations, I think years ago it was used when you would interview, like with, with an HR department, they would give it to you to see your you know, behavioral style. I think they called it like a personality test. And I think today it's used more in a culture uh, environment when we're talking about building teams and, and communicating interdepartments and within our departments. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? What do you see your clients Yeah, we, we use it more so, more so for work style. Um, when we use the generic disk, what we call everything disk workplace, we're using it to teach work style. Why is it that when I come to work, I'm energized and enthusiastic and Mary and Joe are a little more laid back and not, more, not as outgoing as I am? Why, why is that? And why don't they approach work the way I approach work? So we use it in that environment, but the Everything Disc family has expanded its product. So we have a product that we use with salespeople. We have a product that's specifically designed for supervisors. And then we have a product that's specifically designed for leaders. And as we go through the conversation this afternoon, we can talk a little about each of those applications. Yeah. But they're kind of specific to the job. Um, but in most cases, we do the workplace profile for getting people to understand their own style at work and how I communicate. And then once they better understand themselves, now that I know more about me, uh, I need to know more about you so that we can work better together. And that's still a lot of our work and, and just getting people to work better together. Yeah, and I think everybody listening is saying this sounds pretty cool because we do have differences in the workplace. And, and I know in my experience before I was disc aware, let's say, that you would have people that you worked with and you would look at them saying, holy smoke, put fire under you. Let's get this done. And here I'm high energy. They weren't. And you look at them, are they lazy, et cetera. And that's usually, I mean, it could be the case, but usually when we understand disc, it just kind of gets you into the other person's head a little bit. And I think that foundationally helps with the, building teams and, and all the other things. Do, can you do me a favor? Can you speak about each of the disks, the D, the I, the S, and the C? I kind of told everybody what it was. But can yeah. you give some insight as to what each style, like wh what their vibe would be? Sure, I can, I can do that. Um, I'll kind of give you just a general overview that it, what we normally give folks in class. So when you talk about D or dominant style, uh, folks that show high D behavior in the workplace, uh, like to be in charge, like to be in control. Uh, they usually, what we say, play to win. Um, yeah. You know, they, they usually have an, they usually know how something should be done and have an opinion about how that should be done. Um, they have the take no prisoners type of mentality. Uh, it's either my <laughs> way or the highway. Um, you know, let's get it done yesterday because that's not fast enough. So those are our D colleagues, and you know, there are times in the workplace where you need that kind of direct drive and input into the project. Um, sometimes folks that are 2D can be perceived as uh, bullies or um, not as compassion as, as, other, as the other styles. But um, you know, there is a time when D behavior is needed in the team and in the workplace. So those things need to be pushed forward, and that's what Ds do for the team. Moving over into the I, our I folks are the enthusiastic, happy, energized, excited all the time about everything. I mean, so depending on how high I they are, 
Uh, these folks at times will jump on the table, scream at the moon if you want them to. They're just very, very <laughs> outgoing and exciting people. Um, at, times, at times they can be a bit emotional. You know, at times they can, things, they can take things a bit too personal depending on uh, what was happening in the workplace, but they're very enthusiastic, very energized. And again, depending on the project, sometimes you need that little extra oomph, that little enthusiasm, and our high eyes can do that for us. So moving down into the S quadrant, uh, our S's are what we call our steadiness. These folks are calm, cool, collected. Uh, they tend to not like ripples in the waves. Uh, they like the plan, need the plan, work the plan. Okay? S's are true blue team players. That's why I like the fact that the S in the disc model is blue, because they're true blue team players. Uh, they'll do whatever it takes for the team to succeed. As a matter of fact, at times they put the team's needs before their own needs. Okay? Uh, of the four styles, they tend to be the best listeners, putting the needs of others before the needs of themselves. They're very compassionate people. Not that the others aren't, but they tend to be a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and of the four styles, they, they tend to be the best listeners. So um, they, you know, when people are building teams, a lot of times they'll, they'll pick S players because they will do whatever it takes to get the job done. Sure. And then last but not least, moving into our C quadrant, our compliance or conscientious quadrant, uh, these folks are into logic, they're into rules, systems, uh, anything worth doing is worth doing right, and they like to do it right the first time, tend not to like errors and mistakes. Um, they tend to be focused on um, policies and procedures of the organization, and make sure that the team lives up to a high standard of performance. Uh, they'll make sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, uh, before the team delivers its project or its work. Um, just some other nuances around the four styles. D's and C's tend to like working alone and tend to be focused on the task, where our I's and S's tend to like working in groups better and tend to be focused on relationships. So they're focused on people, where D's and C's tend to be focused on tasks. So again, depending on where you fall in the model, you may be between or a variation of one and two, uh, but that's kind of from a general background, the four styles. Yeah, and the the um, upper quadrant, if you look at what the I and Ds have in common, right, they're usually yep. um, very fast-paced and those big-picture thinkers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the CS, their combination or likes um, or similarity is that they're much more slowly um, they approach things much more slowly and more cautiously and more methodically um, and like that detail. Obviously, the C-disc style liking the most detail or the critical thinking, right? Yeah, the Ds and I tend to be active, outgoing, and Ss and Cs tend to be more moderately paced and reserved. And you'll see that behavior play out in teams and in and work environments. Um, it's just a different, it's just a different way to approach work. Um, one, one tends to be a bit more systematic, one tends to be a bit more direct. Yeah, and, and it's funny, I have one client, um, the head of, it was, it's one of the training departments uh, under the HR model in this one corporation, and uh, when I first met the uh, director of the department and then her team, she had at the time four trainers, and um, corporate trainers, and I looked and I said, did you do this on purpose? But if you look at their disc styles, they're each in one is a very high D, one's a high I, one's a high S, and one's a high C. And mm. she looked at me because we were introducing DISC into the, the corporate uh, across the whole culture. And she said, that's so funny. I did not do that on purpose. But isn't that interesting that that's how she pulled her team together? Because really, to have the best team, you need one of each or multiple, right? Team, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, we, we try to build teams. We try to build a balanced team. Um, we find that different perspectives on solving problems or accomplishing sure. a task is always good. Um, some teams uh, tend to struggle when all the team members are in the same style. We can talk about that if you want to, some of the challenges that that presents to the team. Um, but most teams we work with, at least when they start putting project teams together, try to be a bit more balanced when it comes to a different yeah. style. It, it was just interesting that she did it. It was almost intuitive, not purposeful. So that's kind of, it's just kind of cool to observe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, we have to take a very brief break. 
and then we will come back and i i think it would be helpful if and and if you're comfortable with this each of the disc styles you can almost picture a profession or the type of of uh, profession that would fit into you know each category and that might be helpful for everybody to kind of go yeah yeah my attorney's like that or yeah my doctor's like that or <laughs> does that make sense it does it does it does lend itself well to some to some professions we can talk about that when we get back yeah when we come back all right awesome let's take a real quick break a speaker has little value to an audience unless you the listener is motivated and empowered to change Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back. We are speaking with Michael Ferraro, my expert, and we're talking about DISC and what each of those DISC styles, or the D, the I, the S, and the C, uh, what those styles kind of feel like. And now, I let's talk about some type of jobs or positions that lend to when we think of a D, an I, an S, or a C. So go ahead, Michael. See, I'm curious to see what you think. Okay. Well, let's go, well, well, let's go backwards this time. What do you think? We'll start with the C, work cool. our way back around? Okay. Absolutely. So what we see in the workplace... Um, as a general rule, and this is not specific because there are each four styles and, and any of the jobs we're talking about, there are DIS and Cs. But as a sure. general rule, what we see in the workplace, we work in Northern Virginia with a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, computer engineers, a lot okay. of systems analysts, a lot of programmers. These are all folks who work in the government contracting or software development business. And a lot of teams we work with that have a lot of these engineers and software developers uh, tend to fall into the C category. Uh, they make sure the codes are written correctly, that companies are following standards and protocols when it comes to web and web servers. They just tend to, they tend to enjoy that kind of work. They tend to, get, tend to get charged up by that kind of work. You know, solving mm-hmm. problems is something they really like to do. We also mm-hmm. work in the financial services industry here, and there are a lot of folks that work in financial management, accounting, uh, that tend to like working with numbers, um, tend to like working alone. And they fall into the C category because they, 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 they are the compliance officers, if you will, for their company at times to make sure that the company lives up to the standard, whether it be internally or externally. So, you know, again, this is not, not always, but as a general rule, we find our software developers or programmers, accountants, engineers tend to fall in that C, CS, CD, depending on where they fall into that quadrant, but um, they tend to fall into that quadrant. Yeah, and, and Michael, um Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison are inventors that seeking how things work, breaking it down, providing those solutions. So inventors typically, again, typically fall under that that C category, again, that that drive, that desire for um, that detailed why things are the way they are kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Moving into, um, you know, moving over to the SS quadrant. Again, depending on where they fall, whether they're SI or SC, uh, since S's as a general rule like to engage the group rather than engaging the self, mm-hmm. uh, they, tend to be, they tend to be team leaders, supervisors, uh, people who can engage other people in solving problems. Uh, since they tend to put the needs of others before the needs of themselves, they end up, a lot of times, my clients in HR end up in S. Yeah. Because they are putting the needs of the employees before the needs of themselves. Uh, they tend to want to be listening, if you will, to the organization. Uh, mm-hmm. They're people focused first, so you know that tends to put them in those people type jobs, whether it be in recruiting, HR, benefits, um, or whether they be a supervisor of a small team, whether it be a project team or um, you know CEO of a small company. Their goal is to engage the group. They lead by consensus. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, again, sometimes to a fault, sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, they tend to put the needs of others before the needs of themselves. But as a general rule, they like bringing everybody together. So, again, a supervisory role, that HR role, something involved managing people or getting people to come and work together tends to be, uh, you know, typical op- occupations for those that are S, depending on the degree of S they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving up into the I quadrant, uh, we do work with quite a few salespeople um, in, in town here, depending on whatever they're selling, whether it's selling software or, or, or selling whatever they're selling. Uh, high eyes tend to be, as I mentioned earlier, outgoing, assertive, enthusiastic. So we do see a lot of the folks in I in the sales, marketing, communications departments within companies. Um, they uh, not only promote the company, they you know, promote themselves by their promoting the company. Uh, they tend to be enthusiastic um, about what they're doing and who they're doing it for. Um, again, they like working with people. Um, at times, a high eye can be a good manager. At times, they need a little work in being a better manager. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say those outgoing positions, if you're having somebody speak on your behalf at a chamber event or a networking event, having somebody's high eye, they're going to get enjoyment out of that. They're going to get enthusiasm out of that. That's going to get their passion and juices going uh, rather than sitting in the cubicle by themselves, which would probably drive them crazy. So those types of jobs in the organization that get them out talking to people around the community, get them talking to people are the type of jobs that probably a lot of our high participants do in the workplace. Yeah, and I think a lot of like motivational speakers are high eye, um, very, very optimistic in how they view the world also. Yep, yep. And then D's, last but not least. Last but not least, we're going backwards here, so we're going to do with the D's. Uh, D's, as a, as a general rule, like to be in charge, as I mentioned, like to be in control. So they like being the boss. And whether it's the boss in a small company or the boss in a big company, their juice is around being the boss, making decisions, moving projects forward. So in, in this case, we see them as team leaders, team managers, uh, those that sit in the C-suite. Not that others don't sit in the C-suite, but these tend to gravitate to those positions. They mm-hmm. tend to want more power. They tend to want more control. So they tend to move to those more senior positions in organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be in a variety of different uh, occupations. Um, but a lot of my friends who run small businesses are also high D because they, they got to drive their business to, to more sales. So sure. They feel, they feel they wear that, that dominant hat, that direct hat, uh, to make to make those decisions and to move, move the business forward. So um, probably a little more broad in occupations when it comes to high D. Yeah, and you, you know, before you were saying like a DC or a DI, explain mm-hmm. to everyone that combination because really when Marston did his, um, in the early 1900s, that first assessment, not only did he discern the four predominant behaviors that we kind of all fall under, when he really examined, he's like, wow, this is cool. They really, most people, most people have a combination of two. Of course, there's there's exceptions to the rules, Um, but most people really are a combination. Can you kind of alluded to that before? Can you just expand on that a bit? Sure. Um, It's very rare that somebody is just DIS or C. So if you do the population, there are 12 styles within the DISC model. So if you do the math, it's about 8%, 8.5% of any one style. So if you are pure DIS or C, and I tell this to folks in the class, you know, that if your dot is like right on the DIS or C, um, there are probably 8 to 9% of the people in the world that see the world at work as you do which means 92% of people see it differently. Yeah. But in the context of that, then you know, okay, um, I may be in the minority here when it comes to most of this stuff. Now, that said, you may have some your colleagues SI or SC that are not S that may see the world similar than you do, but, you know, keep in mind, it's only about 8 to 10% of those folks. So most people tend to be a combination or, or, or at a degree level where they're not, well, as we call, on the edge when it comes to the four letters. So if you're a combination, it means you have tendencies. You have tendencies in, in both the one quadrant that you're seated in and the one quadrant that you may be close to. So if I'm an IS, I have I, you know, most of the time, but I have some S tendencies. So I may be outgoing and assertive and gregarious, but I also like to listen to my colleagues and hear, hear what they have to say. So I have some tendencies, and that's why I probably scored it myself as an IS. Um, same thing within the S quadrant. You could be SC, and you may be calm, cool, and collected, and reserve, but you may be into the conscientious when it comes to following the rules and making sure there's order uh, with, within the team. 
So you may have some of those tendencies. So it's tendencies. You may have a primary and then a secondary when it comes to yeah. tendencies. And, dep- and that depends on the situation. In some situations, you may be one, and then the other situations, you may be the other. But it's good to know when they are. Yeah, yeah, because the combination tempers, you know, high Ds can be deemed rude, insensitive. If they're a DI combination, they are perceived as aggressive, but they're nice. So that's that I tempering that D a little bit. So we really are, that combination just, you almost get the better of two worlds instead of just having the strengths. And then with those strengths, obviously there's always that double-edged sword, right? So with those strengths, you always have that area that, like I explained, the D could be perceived as rude because they're trying they're on to three other things at the same time um because they're aggressive they they put strong deadlines for themselves they they have they're high achievers so that di combination humanizes and and lets them think before sometimes speaking and ripping somebody apart you know to get a job done so it's it's really just such an interesting when you talk about the combination now can i ask what your disc combination is i think you're you're either a di or an id but i could be wrong i've never yeah i tell tell folks well i actually score myself as a di di but i tell folks is that you know depending on the work situation you know your behavior is controlled by you and is adaptable you know that's why we use the tool that's how we'll use to teach folks in the class so i when i use myself as an example when i when i uh, talk about the four styles so i get asked this question you know are you the same all the time? Like, well, you know, I tend to be D when I run my business. I'm a small business mm-hmm. owner. So I need to make decisions quickly, drive the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to be I when I'm out in the community. I'm a mm-hmm. former chairman of a local chamber of commerce. So when you're mm-hmm. chairman of a chamber of commerce, you have to be outgoing and you have to go to all the, all the chamber events. You've got to hand out your business card. You've got to be talking to people. So I tend to be a bit more gregarious, outgoing, enthusiastic when I'm out networking in the community. Um, I tend to be S when I'm teaching or coaching because S is, as a general rule, as we talked earlier, tend to put the needs of others before the needs of themselves. So I come from the philosophy it's participant-centered learning, so I really put the students' needs before my needs in the classroom or if I'm coaching somebody. And then sure. uh, be, being a small business guy, small business owners will understand this, I tend to do the accounting in mm-hmm. the office. I'm not the accountant. I send all the receipts to the accountant every month. But it's my job to collect those receipts and to put all the data into QuickBooks before I send it over. Sure. And that's my C-ness, if you will. So I have to put my compliant hat on at the end of the month, make sure I get all the numbers correct, and get everything lined up before I send it to my accountant, who's very high C. And he'll find the first mistake and get it to me <laughs> if I don't get it done right the first time. And that's so funny. Yeah. So you can, you know, it's again, depending on the situation you're in. And we'll, I know we're going to talk a little about how do I work better together with my colleagues who may be different than me, or if I'm a supervisor and I'm supervising somebody that's on the other side of the circle, how do I, you know, how do I manage that person better? So um, it takes a little bit of adapting. It does. And the, the, the tool itself, once you understand, and your description is really beautiful, how you just describe, yes, you're, you're a D with that I as your secondary, but depending on the situation, you, because again, we're educated by, by using DISC, that modification, that ability to modify, because we understand each of the DISC styles, really makes you, I, I bet it's when people, when you do this, can you say to the class, let's say, what do you think my DISC style is? I bet a lot of people say S, you know, because, right. Right. yeah, because they're, they're seeing you how you're trying to communicate to them. Perception is reality, right? Right. Um, Well, you tend to facilitate more when you're in front of the classroom. I mean, there is some teaching that goes on, but my hope is I am facilitating uh, an environment where they can learn more about themselves and others. And it's not about me in the classroom. It's really about them. So that's why I feel I tend to be more S in that environment. It's true. It's funny. When I do one-on-one coaching or I do field coaching with my clients, and let's say that they're a new employee. So we talk about they they um, do from I, I get all my stuff from you, Michael. But the um, I call it the green one. It's the disc planner. Mm-hmm. It's the shorter version, Correct. and they do it for all their they got it they get it and they use it for each of their employees. So when yeah. we have someone new and the manager has done this 
risk assessment on the employee and we go through, oftentimes they'll say, the manager will say, well, will you teach them about this? Because they're unsure of how to, you know, cover the whole topic. And at the end, I always say to the employee, now let's try out what you just learned. So what do you think your supervisor is? What do you think you are? And then yeah. since I'm the third person in the room, I always say, what do you think? You know, you get a vibe of who I am. You know, what do you think? And if their style is a C, you know, I, I realize that, so I slow down. I provide a lot of detail. They go, oh, you're definitely a C. Or if it's an S, they'll say, oh, you are clearly an S. And I giggle. Do you know what I am? Do you think you know what I am? Do I think I know what you are? Yes. Go ahead. I, I think you're probably somewhere in the I quadrant. And what do you think my secondary is? Probably D. Yeah. yeah, I'm a high I. My D is pretty high, too. So, yeah, so when they say MIC is the lowest when you grasp, you know, it's, it's, it's almost non-existent for me. So that, that ability to understand and modify is really, really important because you do want that person you're communicating with to think, wow, you know, she gets me or, wow, they get me when you're in a supervisory or, like you said, project manager, everybody has to feel valued. And in order to do that, I, and I think to communicate, again, within the team or within your department, et cetera, um, the better versed you are in using the DISC, I just think that it's, it's such a valuable, just brilliant tool that we're fortunate enough you know, to have in, in our um, daily life, that it's, it's affordable and, and able to implement. Sure. Um, let's take another really brief uh, break. I just want to uh, share with everyone a little bit about me and also, um, you know, how you, of course, are more than happy to share your expertise with our listeners as needed. Okay. So let's yeah. just pause here. Um, I hope that my listeners, that you guys every week, you know, you're tuning in. I truly hope that you're inspired by myself, my guests, and our conversations. Um, you know, today I, I think it's such a valuable conversation if you're seeking change in your professional or your personal life and you're not sure where to start or what outcomes, expectations you should have. I really believe that understanding DISC, understanding yourself first, clearly, and then your ability to modify, I just think it opens a whole world for us, you know, both professionally and, again, in our personal uh, lives if you have uh, some disharmony um, within your house, et cetera. Share your stories, your comments, and thoughts. I truly do want to hear from you. Um, you can email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Each week, I, I just, I really, really hope that you find inspiration in the topics and that you constantly learn and maybe how to approach your own life in a different way or maybe just a different perspective. And today I hope Michael and I are providing some of that inspiration um, to say that you can change and be the architect of your own change using, again, today's skill and tools that we're discussing. At the core, I always hope the information I share um, is at least a start point for you to start to think and ask yourselves questions so that you can begin on your path of change or implementation, whatever that looks like. You have to challenge your comfort zone in order to grow. And again, I hope today's topic is thought-provoking and interesting because it truly is relevant to our time of this very fast-paced interaction that we have with other humans, right, and that lack of concern almost for others' feelings because we're, we're running this race. You know, I feel like sometimes we're on a treadmill but we're not going anywhere, and that's disturbing, I think, on a lot of levels. So change something, no matter the perspective you're coming from. It, you have to start somewhere. Again, if you're stuck, don't know how to move forward, you think you need help, just reach out to me. Again, you can reach out to Michael. I'm going to share all of our contact information again at the end of the show. Um, but we're here, again, to help inspire and guide you to challenge yourself, your organization, um, to help grow and find those answers to begin or sustain that effective change. Sometimes it's just a little missing piece um, that we discussed that can be the catalyst for you. Uh, changing you, your company, and challenging your personal com comfort zone to sustain growth, it's what I do well and I know Michael um, does well as, well as well. So please, again, I'm going to give you my information. Call me at 732-888-1420. That's my direct line. Um, or you could go to my website, ton of information there. My blogs, again, wealth of resource for you is at www.whitmanassos.com. 
or again, email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Let's grow you, your business, and get change to spec. So thank you for that, Michael, for um, just pausing with me. Let's continue talking about, um, you were going to say, the, the combination, and specifically you wanted to talk about the um, the, the disc. Oh, see, I lost my train. This is what 53 happens. It happens That's to me so much lately. It's very, I know you're laughing. Thank you for laughing. Well, I'm With older than you. I can happening. laugh. I'm laughing. I can laugh. I'm older than you, so, you know. It, it's ridiculous. It's here and then it's gone. But let's talk about um, that, that disc modification of understanding and then how to build our teams or how to build communication within our departments, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, we, as I said earlier, we, we tend to use DISC, the generic DISC workplace, most of the time for getting people to understand them, themselves. And then how do I better understand others that may be different than me in the workplace? And that comes from just day in and day out work. You know, these are just regular employees that you know, want to come to work, do the best they can at their job. They're put into teams. And for some reason, Mary, Johnny, and Sue aren't getting along. And it's just, it's just a matter of approach to a situation. If you were to put a high D, high I, high S, and high C into a room and say, okay, here's a project that needs to get done tomorrow, you know, or needs to get done next week, figure it out. Each of them are going to have their own way of trying to get that project done. It's just, it's just mm -hmm. the way the nature of work is. So that's what they learn in the classroom. They learn about themselves. Uh, the assessment gives them a lot of information about themselves, but then it really gives them information on how do I approach others differently depending on style. And the other tools we use in the classroom, we use uh, what's called everything disk management, where we work with supervisors over the course of the day. And the first part of the day is really you know, the basics, DIS and C. We teach them you know, the basics of their style um, and how to get along better just with colleagues in the workplace. But then we get down to their specific department. So if I supervise 12 people, how do I better supervise those people? And first thing we have them do in the department I mean, in the classes, after they've learned about style, learned about this, was we have them take a little score grid, if you will, about mm -hmm. the 12 people that report to them. And they kind of get through a series of video vignettes where they can discern style fairly well. I mean, the videos sure. that we use are pretty, you know, actors pretty much showing the, you know, the upside of each of the quadrants. So they're really, you know, showing the behavior, I wouldn't say to extreme, but, you know, really to the point. So by the end of the vignettes, they're like, okay, I know who on my team is D, I, S, and C, and we have them map it out. And then the rest of the class is really built around how do I better manage, motivate, delegate, manage performance of those people that report to me that may be exactly like me from a style perspective or may be on the total opposite side of the quadrant. I mean, if I'm mm -hmm. high D on the quadrant edge, how do I as a supervisor you know, manage, motivate, delegate, manage performance of somebody as an S on the totally opposite side of the quadrant? And what we do is we give them tools. We teach them how to do this. You know, we teach how they can adapt their behavior so that their S employee doesn't feel overwhelmed, you know, sure. by them, by, by the work they provide or whatnot. And how do I, how do I get the most out of that person? And so, you know, the course of the afternoon is spent around that. And it's really, you know, by the time the supervisor walks out of that class, they're like, you know, I learned a ton about myself, but I you know I learned how to be a better supervisor today because I learned mm -hmm. that every, all my team members that report to me, all have little different nuances that I really got to focus in on. If I want to motivate my high C employees, I have to do this. If I motivate my high I employees, I need to do that. It's a bit different, and I have to be in tune to those things. You know, in the old days, you say, you know, find the hot button for the person when you want to supervise them. Well, this is a way to sure. find that hot button, if you will. You know, it's a good way to quantify what those buttons are and to put people in situations that they're going to be more successful in sure. uh, as much as possible. So that's kind of the supervisor one that we do. Well, we do one for sales, for salespeople. It's just all about selling. Um, we have a lot of clients that use it as part of their sales training program. Uh, we, the way we've positioned DISC in that, in that environment is um, we, we tell sales managers that there are really three parts of sales training. There's product training, so salespeople need to know about everything that they're selling from a product perspective, whether it's cars or widgets or software. The salesperson obviously needs to know everything about the product. Then there's the process, the funnel, if you will. How do you qualify your leads? What database do you use? Do you use Salesforce? Do you use Active? Well, how do I get those, you know, those leads from here down into the funnel? So the second P is process. It's the funnel. It's tracking. It's doing all that database stuff to make sure that you're talking to the right people and you're following up with those folks. And then the last P is people, because in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, people make buying decisions. 
you know, sure. Mary from XYZ company is going to buy from me or not. Joey and that company is going to buy from me or not. So you're developing a relationship with those people. And we use this to teach salespeople first their selling style because I do have a selling style. It's DIS or C. You know, the way I position, the way I present, the way I talk about our products or services is in that lens, DIS or C. So I learn about my style first. But then what's most important, I learn about the other styles that I'm selling to. So if I'm selling to D, I, S, or C, I know what their needs are before uh-huh. they'll say yes to a, a, a buying purchase. And what I've, what, I've, what I've convinced salespeople over the years in the classroom is that no matter where you are on the circle, you need to develop a presentation that is tuned into D, I, S, or C because they have all different needs, right? They have all different needs before they're going to say yes. So it's literally either you've got to change your presentation on the fly or what I like to do is I like to tweak it a little bit, and then I, I deliver that little bit of a tweaked presentation depending on who I'm talking to. Because I really try to discern style before I show up. So, again, salespeople, salespersons, if you will, walk out of the class feeling that, hey, I learned a lot about my selling style, but guess what? I learned that I really need to tweak the style depending on who I'm talking to. Because they'll, they'll, in the class, they'll say, oh, that's why when I'm presenting to Mary, it's not working. I'm D off the edge. She's S, S off the edge, and I'm trying to drive her to, to make a decision, and that's not the way she buys. So of course. I, have tweak, I have to tweak my, my presentation a little bit. And, Mike, it's funny. When I, when I of course, coach or work with salespeople, um, a lot of times they say, well, how, you know, if, if you have a conversation on the phone and you make an appointment, and then, you know, how do you know? You can tell what their person's disk style is over the phone if you tune in, <laughs> you know, and, and have that, that knowledge and that ability. So it's exactly yeah. what you just said. You can perfect it's funny, it's funny you say that. It's your, funny you say that because uh, in my database, yes. for as many clients as I can, I try to discern this style. So Isn't when that I pull wonderful? Up, when I pull up Johnny's uh, or Mary's uh, profile in my ACT database, there's a little letter in the notes, you know, just to remind me, I know that it's the S or C, so I, I know it's either going to be a quick conversation or yep. it's going to be a longer conversation. Is it going to be focused on the details and facts or is it going to be focused on the feelings and how was your weekend, how was the family? So you That's can exactly right. And, and then you can just put that in your database somewhere, then you know. Then you know before you call if it's going to be a short or a long conversation. And and same thing for the live presentations. You're going in knowing if you're if right. you're going to try to sell to a D, you have ten minutes. <laughs> That's right. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, you know. Yeah. And if you you have that S, you're you know you, she wants to touch her, he wants to touch and feel you, and let's sing kumbaya, you know. You That's need right. for that. So it's, right. But you can discern even over the phone. So yeah, That's it's right. um it's cool. And I'm sorry. Then you were going to say the last one. The last one. Right, the oh, three, you said the supervisory yeah. sales. And then his work of leaders, which, work again, leaders. Starts, starts with the basis of DIS and C. So DIS and C, so, so leaders understand um, style from a leadership perspective, but then it kind of takes leadership to the next level. The work of leaders focuses on 18 behaviors around a model of vision, alignment, and execution. That leaders need to come up with and craft a vision, you know, something forward-looking, event or some type of timetable to move them forward, and then they need to align. So they need to align the folks that report to them going in the same direction, and then yep. a leader needs to execute. So the work of leaders model is built on the DISC engine, but it really focuses on 18 specific behaviors of, of a leader that they need to work on to craft a vision, um, get alignment, and then execute. Um, and then, again, participants come out of there knowing exactly where they fit on the model. So there are certain things they do well, that's great, but then there are other things they need to work on, try to do better as a leader. So they come out with a lot of, a lot of tips and a lot of to-dos. Um, it's kind of based on the book, Work of Leaders, and we usually have participants read the book before they come to class so they kind of understand the model. Um, but that, that, that's kind of the third. So it's really four total. We do workplace for, like, the general population. We do right. uh, supervisory. For, for supervisory, we do everything everything in management, then everything in sales for salespeople, sales and marketing people, and then work of leaders for that, you know, folks who are you know, kind of taking the next step up in their organization or they're on the rise in their organization. A lot of our clients are using work of leaders uh, for future leaders in cohorts. Um, they use DISC in, 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 in a way to build teams. talked about that earlier, trying to get a balance of DISC on the team. We have a couple clients that have built cohorts for the next generation of leaders, and what they do is 
they bring uh, leaders from different parts of the company together. So it could be sales, BD, it could be ops, it could be finance and accounting. So they bring maybe 25 or 30 leaders together. They're going to take them anywhere between six months and a year to learn together. And they use DISC work of leaders or DISC workplace to both build their teams and to teach them about behaviors in the workplace. And uh, it's kind That's of nice to see. Awesome. What it, what just what an awesome endeavor yeah. from a corporate culture standpoint, you know, to seek those future leaders. What what an awesome uh, yeah, premise. You know what I mean? Actually, three clients now that actually do that. We provide we either provide the DISC profile for them to use, or and, and in some cases, I'll actually go in and facilitate and help them help them build their teams. Uh, That's we also fabulous. Do the, in, in our community leadership program here in Northern Virginia, we build our teams around uh, DS and C. So, uh, and then the teams get a report about the strengths, challenges of the team. Uh, sure. I always, and this is just Michael, what I do in the classroom. But I, you know, anytime I teach a DISC class now, I always run a, I run a what they call a group report or a team report, if you will, because mm-hmm. I want to know who's in the classroom before I show up and deliver. Mm-hmm. So I can take a look at the team map, if you will, with the dots on it. Sure. I know whether my class is heavy on the DC side, you know, whether they're heavy on the, you know, the action side or the, or the methodical side or the outgoing side or the reserve side. So I can kind of tell by looking at the map how I am going to deliver in the classroom. I mean, if I'm delivering a class of DISC that's CNS heavy, I know I need to be a bit slower, a bit more methodical, a bit more about information than if I'm doing a class that's DI where I need to be quick and outgoing and enthusiastic because that's what those folks need. So again, keep them I engaged. Keep them engaged, right. So I try to get it down to the class level, too, by using the group reports. It, again, you know, it, it's from the individual to the team to the classroom to, uh, you know, a corporate culture, you know, wide scale. It's just there's so much... And it's so easy to manipulate that disc as the core, and then what is the aspect that we're approaching? Um, it's just such a valuable and, and tr- I think it's easy to use tool once you understand. Let's take one more brief break, um, and then we'll we'll do the last uh, 12, 14 minutes, um, and and kind of bring it all together uh, for the listeners. So let's take one more quick break. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back. And Michael, we are talking about um, DISC and how it can be used from the individual um, to a whole corporate culture. I have a funny story. I was I was doing field coaching once, and the coach was a D, an, a high D, and I don't think she had any other style. She was, you know, way out there. And I remember when the employee left, she talked at her the entire time. The um, young lady didn't have a chance to say boo, right, throughout the discussion. So then I always say, can you leave for five minutes? I'd like to debrief with the coach, you know, to help them develop that skill. And this is what the coach said to me. She says, you know, I wish they would all just do what I tell them to do. I wish, now knowing about this, this, I'm I'm hiring all Ds from now on because I want to be able to say you need to do this, this, and this, and then they need to go and do it. I'm tired of holding people's hands. And I looked at her and I said, do you think you would want to be coached by someone like you? And she burst out laughing. And I said, maybe you don't want to coach. And she goes, no, no, I do. I'm just venting because I have all S's and they frustrate me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't yeah, make this up. Yeah, we see that. Up. We see that. Yeah, yeah right. You can see it. It happens. Yeah, you can see it. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. 
I just, I, I giggled. I really giggled. I thought, wow, I need to videotape you <laughs> as a vignette for when you discuss the high D. It was yeah. just humorous because she was able to laugh at herself. And she's like, I know, I know, I know. Very hard. She said the coaching of all of her roles as, as a supervisor, she, coaching was the hardest for her because she just wanted them to do what she told them to do. So yeah. it's just it's amusing, you know. Well, you know, one of the tools that we now have on the system to help supervisors and leaders uh, develop better working relationships with, uh, with those direct reports, and sometimes they use, we use it in teams, is what we call the comparison report. So once I've completed my DISC profile and you've completed your DISC profile, we can run a report comparing my results to your results. Sure. And it generates a 10-page report that helps the both of us work better together. And a lot of folks that come to the supervisor's class, uh, similar to the action planners that you use, use sure. this report that same way. Um, so, they, so they're comparing themselves to those direct reports and then sitting down having a conversation with them so that, you know, how do we work better together? You know, what are the things that I'm, you know, tuned into? What are my strengths based on style? What are my preferences based on work style? What are yours? And let's see if we can understand each other a little better. So um, those reports seem, seem to be really helpful also. Yeah. Can I tell you all of the things that you offer? And at the end, I'm going to give your website and all of that. But I hope everybody goes and just kind of takes a peek um, at the many, many different things that you offer. And that brings me to another question I had. Can you share with everyone, because they're probably all saying, ooh, ooh, we need this. So how can, obviously they could bring you know you in to, like you said, develop the culture yeah. and the supervisory sure. and all of that, sure, do a sure. day of DISC with Michael. Um, yes. You certify people as well. Well, actually it's not us who certifies people, but the Inkscape Wiley certifies people. So we have, we have clients that purchase DISC from us and deliver on their own. And it, that happens in several different formats. Sometimes the way it works is I go in and do a couple classes. They kind of get the feel for it, and then they want to expand it out. So they see value in having somebody certified inside the organization. Um, that person would go either a couple days to Minneapolis to get certified, and Inkscape Wiley does the certification. Or now um, online certification is now offered. So you can sit through wow. 20, hours, 20 hours of online training, and uh, you can get your certification online now. And a lot of our trainers like to be certified. Awesome. I mean, they're, they're certified in Myers Briggs. They're certified Chief Global. You know, and it adds another piece of their personal resume that they're certified in DISC. Um, so, so we go down that caveat too. And then we have trainers who are been around a long time. They've, they've delivered DISC for many, many years. They don't feel the need to be certified. They just need access to the tool. And whether they're consulting firms or internal uh, organizations that have trainers, uh, we provide the tools for them. Uh, we always provide customer service support, uh, training, if, if uh, someone needs to be training on how to deliver it. Um, our clients will buy the leader's guides, and they pull them up on their screen. We can walk them through so they're comfortable with customizing what they're going to deliver. Um, we're always looking for feedback from our customers. Um, so there are different ways to, to, to use the tool in either your training, consulting, or coaching practice. Every, co every person I coach uh, always has one of the DISC products as part of their coaching program whether it's uh, leadership or whether it's supervisory or whether it's sales or just a generic DISC workplace. As part of my personal coaching practice, uh, workplace behaviors is always part of the discussion. Because whether, whether I'm coaching a CEO of a company who's having some issues with their senior team or I'm, I'm coaching an up-and-coming leader that's having a problem with his boss and maybe a couple team players, uh, work behaviors always comes into play. And DISC is a way for those leaders to understand themselves and others and how to get the team to work better together, or how to work better together with my colleagues. So it's always part of my coaching practice. It, you know, it's funny because you also mentioned the Myers-Briggs, and um, I wasn't certified in Myers-Briggs, but in one of the companies I worked for, that was the model they used. So they did my, you know, Myers-Briggs, you know, coding, whatever it was. And many years ago, um, you know, I was certified in the DISC, I feel like 100 years ago. But the difference between the two, because I did Myers-Briggs, or they tested me on Myers-Briggs after the DISC, wow, what a difference. Myers-Briggs is, I think, more white coat, what I would be more white coat. It's more critical in the breakdown. But it's more cumbersome, I think, anyway, just based on my, maybe because I was so used to the DISC, I don't know. 
but I find the disc, it's such an easy tool to get the results that you're looking for, whether it's sales, whether it's that leadership piece, whether it's building that culture or building that team. I, I don't know. That's my, that's my opinion. I, mean, I don't know. Other people might love Myers-Briggs who have used that for 30 years. Um, what, just, what do you think? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, we have clients, especially around the Washington, D.C. area, that use either or both, um, sure. depending on the environment. I found, we found with Myers-Briggs over the years, it tends to be a corporate culture thing that yeah. is kind of embedded into the culture of the organization or the federal agency. It's just embedded. It's how, you know, it's how people talk about each other. It's how they yes. get along. It's part of the water cooler chat. And, that, and that's fine. And we have the same with DISC. We have clients yeah. who are strictly DISC clients. And it's also part of the culture, the water cooler, the buttons, you know, they walk around with yeah. the disc mugs and, you know, it becomes part of the culture. We have clients now that use disc in onboarding, you know, so when something gets hired to the organization, they'll take their disc workplace profile, the profile goes down with them to their department so that they feel part of the group. So when sure. people are talking about the S and C, just because I'm new doesn't need to know, I don't need to know what my letter is, if you will. So they kind of ingrain, ingrain that a little bit into the culture. So. Uh, I, you know, both tools measure similar but different things, and I think there's yeah. value in both. And, again, I work with a lot of consultants like you do who are external, and, you know, some of them are, are Myers-Briggs, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and some of them are, you sure. know, DISC is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and, you know, yeah. never the twain shall meet. But, uh, it's, a me com- it's a comfort thing. Yeah, That's what I thought. I, yeah. yeah, it's a comfort thing. Yeah, for me, yeah, it's, I been definitely... disc. it's been DISC. I've been using it most of my adult career, so for me, it's a comfort zone thing. I think so for, again, most of my career I've used the disc, so it's just, it's almost how I speak. And it's funny, and I caution everybody, as you start to implement disc as part of your culture and how you communicate and modify, whether it's your your selling skills, your supervisory skills, your team skills, whatever it is, don't label people. I, I have people coming to my class that they get hired, the supervisor does their disc style, right? And they come in and they go, yeah, my manager's telling me I'm a DI. What does that mean? You know, she's labeling me. And I go, ah, oh, like they, it, it's not a bad thing, but they should, I go, they didn't give you any explanation, you know? So don't just label people. I think that's terrible because right. it's almost like, well, is DI bad? Why would anybody think it's bad? It's just who you are. You know, we don't, we're our own worst sure. critics, obviously. Um, yeah, so, right, I mean, don't you find that people start yeah, labeling instead of explaining and then saying, oh, this is your style and why? Yeah, I, we, try to, you know, we try to talk about this in the classroom and some of our activities that we don't want to be judgmental of folks based Correct. on style. You know, that uh, this is a tool that measures behavior in a situation and understanding myself is the first part of that. And if I understand sure. how my behavior impacts those that work around me, you know, does that make me a better employee? Of course, I think so. But then it's understanding other styles that it's because Mary demonstrates S behavior most of the time doesn't make her S all the time. So of we course. Kind of work in that, con, 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 you know, that kind of context. That said, as you mentioned earlier, a high D and a high S are different opposite ends, just like the high I and the high C are opposite ends. Mm-hmm. So understanding that when you see it will make you more in tune to that style and not be judgmental of that style, you know. Um, if I, I'm working with a group of engineers and they're all high C and here comes this person from sales and marketing into the department to learn more about the nuances of the product and they're going to come in all energized, enthusiastic, hey, help me out over here. You know, those folks in the C may have some opinions on that particular behavior style. But now hopefully some of those bridges are, are kind of, you know, built where, okay, I understand Michael now is more of a sales guy. He's going to be more outgoing because that's part of his job. We have to make sure Michael has all the information he needs so you can make a better sales presentation so we can do more business, right? So the C's are a little more in tune to why Michael is the way he is. Yeah. It, it's funny. I'm opposite quadrants with my dad. He's a very high C engineer by trade. I'm a, I'm a high I, right? And um, people, when they meet me, they will oftentimes say, oh, you're very high C. And I giggle, and I, I obviously disc that helps, right, understanding that. But also, you know, understanding my dad and communicating with my dad for 53 years, 
you learn. <laughs> you know, there's there's an element of learned behavior based on the disc styles that you were raised within as well because you're communicating. So I, I think sometimes we understand disc almost from a subconscious level and then right. when it's brought to the conscious level based on like what we're discussing today, you're like, oh, that's why my dad does that. Yet right. innately okay. we know how to communicate just because that's it's learned right. behavior for 50, right? It's cool stuff. Yeah, yeah it helps. It's supposed to help, and it helps. It always, right? It's how to make it easier. We have two minutes left, so I ask you my last thing. It's people are saying this is like the coolest thing since sliced bread. I need more. What would be your first tip for them to learn more, let's just say? Would it be to go to your website? Yeah, you can go to our website. The, the, The best place would be to take it themselves. You know, because if you see what it does for you, then you'll know what it does yes. for others. So the best yes. thing to, to start is with yourself. Um, but you can go to our website, trainingsolutions.com. There's plenty of content there. You can download sample reports, and uh, there's some video you can watch, and, you know, there's all this kind of information that you can that you can download and gather. Uh, but I would start by taking it for yourself. Anytime clients come to us and say, I'm not sure if it's going to work, I say, well, take it, take, take it yourself. We'll let you take it yourself. And then... Um, you know, see what it does for you, and then picture that in a classroom or coaching situation and see if others would value. And then a lot of times when they get it, like, wow, I didn't realize the report's going to be so rich and in-depth. Um, yeah, I can see my team using this. Yeah, I can see my department using this. Yeah, I can see my firm doing this. So, you know, so I would say the first place is take it yourself. Yeah, and and, and the, you're right. The booklet of information that you get, it it. It's a little spooky because <laughs> when you read the assessment of yourself, and it gives you a very, very detailed, um, it breaks into different categories, et cetera, without getting into more detail than that. But the when you read it, you're like, holy moly, like they're in my head because they nail every aspect of almost how you think, how you're wired. It's that good. It, right? Wouldn't right. You, right? Don't you, do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like it's a little yeah. spooky. It is a little spooky. People sometimes in the class will say, you know, they read a narrative about themselves. They'll say, Michael, yeah. did you follow me around for a couple of weeks? So this is like yeah. scary. How close is this? <laughs> like, well, you know, it's what it is. It's what it is, you know. It Don't is. It's very cool. It's very cool. Well, our, our time is up. I know that everybody is saying, wait, we want more. We have so many questions. So with that said, please, please reach out. And I have a whole bunch of contact information that Michael shared. You can call his office, of course. I know some people still like the telephone. That's mm-hmm. 703-318-0838. Um, or mobile, you can text him at 703-626-9495. Um, again, website, go to www.trainingsolutions.com. Again, wealth of information. Take the test. Very cool stuff. Of course, you can email uh, Michael as well at Ferraro, F-E-R-R-A-R-O, at trainingsolutions.com. Twitter, at C-M Ferraro. Um, Facebook, uh, again, you could go to facebook.com backslash or slash, I guess that is, Training Solutions, Inc. And um, the Bite Me Cancer Foundation, uh, tremendous organization, it's okay if I give them that website as sure. well, Michael? Absolutely, yes. Yes, www.bitemecancer.org. Um, and I know you're very, very, you just, you ran a marathon uh, recently, actually, right? Yeah, Over the century, century bike ride, actually, century bike ride. A bike ride, yes, a bike ride. Yes. Thank you, so support go it. Thank you very much for your support. Yes, it's um, just just awesome. So I do hope everyone goes and takes a peek at that because it's it's such a good cause. And of course, you can reach me, um, Connie Whitman, <laughs> Connie at WhitmanAssos.com, www.whitmanassos.com, and my phone number seven three two eight 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 one four two zero. Michael, I just can't thank you enough. Um, I really hope that everybody reaches out. I hope your phones, texts, emails. Uh, start going a little crazy, and I hope That's everybody, okay. uh, wouldn't that be awesome, that we educate how we can all speak to each other much more effectively and, and just provide for self, our families, as well as our, our company uh, strategies, I think is so important when we talk about communication. Um, thank you again. Thank you for being such an awesome guest. Um, I hope you had a little fun. 
It's great hanging out with you. Yeah, I know, right? I'm a cool chick. My husband tells me when you have to say you're cool, it means you're really not. (laughs) Again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. And and just thank you again. Thank you all for joining uh, Michael and I today. You have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great week, and please try to challenge yourself by choosing something small to work on in order to change into the new, improved version of yourself. Go to uh, www.trainingsolutions.com. Maybe that's your little start. And I thank you again. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I...